Amen. Good morning. It's good to be here with you all. Happy 5th of July. Poor 5th of July. It never gets any mention, right? I'm always jealous of its what, older brother, the 4th of July. You know, uh, it's, I feel kind of like I should have a construction hat on up here on this uh, straight stage uh, demolition and, and rebuilding. But, you know, it kind of, uh, it kind of reminds me uh, of a, of an ex- of a uh, picture, visible picture of what happens in, in our life as we, as we uh, take to heart this passage, Ephesians chapter 4, that I've been uh, preaching on over the last few weeks. Uh, the putting off the old, the tearing down, the destruction of our old life and, and the rebuilding of our new. Kind of a visible representation, you will, of uh, our new life in Christ. And what a, what a blessing to grow and to, to have to do something like this. Uh, um, let's just jump in this morning. Let's get right into uh, our work. Let's just read Ephesians chapter 4 and let God's Spirit work on our hearts a little bit uh, this morning. Let's begin in verse 17 of Ephesians 4. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity uh, with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you've heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin and do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful, <clears throat> excuse me, something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, uh, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. This sermon series that we've been going through uh, is called This Not That. And, and we're taking a look at this passage in Ephesians 4, which tells us to, to put off the old and, and to put on the new. And so each week we're looking at something um, from these verses that, that we're to get rid of and something that we are to, to be known for instead. A few weeks ago we started it off by looking at uh, uh, the idea that we are to put off ignorance. That's the old self, uh, steeped in ignorance, right? And, and to put on the new self of, of knowledge of Jesus Christ and his word. And then uh, the next week, we looked at the fact that we are to put off the old way of doing life, and that is uh, lying and, and not telling the truth, and to put on the new way, being known by our truthfulness. And then last week, uh, um, I don't like to remember last week's sermon, We'll just forget about it and move on, right? No, I'm, I'm kidding. We're to put off anger, right? Put off anger and to put on what? 
Patience, right? Put on patience, understanding, uh, trying to trying to see the bigger picture so we can maybe not get quite as angry in the, in the moment, right? Patience, uh, not anger. Well, this week we're going to be looking close, a little closer at verse 28. Uh, we read that just a moment ago, but we're going to read it a few times today. I'll remind it, remind you of it again. Verse 28. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need. So our verse today begins by expressing one of the most basic of ethical principles. This is a a principle that is pretty much uh, found around the world. There are a few cultures that that value theft, right? They see that kind of in some weird way as uh, something respectable. But most cultures understand that stealing is wrong. Do not steal. Here the Apostle Paul repeats one of the Ten Commandments found in Exodus 20, verse 15, which simply says, you shall not steal. This verse, this idea of not stealing is found uh, often in Scripture in Romans chapter 13, verse 19, and in Luke 18, 20, Mark 10, 19, all repeat this call to, to not stealing. Uh, thievery comes from a place inside of us of, of evilness, and so there's a guard against that, that, that we need to not respond to this base evilness that is in our hearts. In Matthew 15:19, it, it expresses this when it says, For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, theft, false witness, and slander. Okay, it's included with some pretty heavy hitters, right? Some pretty serious sins are listed in that, that uh, little list there. And uh, stealing is part of it. It comes from our heart, from the selfishness of our heart. And we know that the, the consequences of unrepentant and, and habitual thievery, stealing, is severe. Uh, very severe, actually. Um, and I just lost my place. <laughs> well, one of the, here we go, I'll just skip that part, and we'll go to the part that I do know where I'm at. <laughs> the consequences of, 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 uh, of uh, stealing is severe in this in this. Uh, the original, the original consequence. Okay, here we go. Wow, I just completely lost it right there. <laughs> Don't shake your head at me. That doesn't make it any better. <laughs> All right, I, I, Don, help me out here. This okay? Don't I'm, don't help me out, please. I'm just going to read this verse to you, and we'll see if we can pick it back up from there. Genesis chapter three, verse seventeen through eighteen. Okay, Genesis chapter three, seventeen through eighteen. The consequences of sin. Okay, one, what happened in Gen- Genesis chapter 3, or shortly before Genesis chapter 3, is Adam and Eve uh, had a problem. They had a falling out with God. They disobeyed. And as a result of their, their sin, they got put to work. Right? They got put to work. And this is what it says. To Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you'll eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. Okay. Now, I think what I was trying to get at here <laughs> is that a result of mankind's sin is to to work. And work here in Ephesians chapter 4, 28, is the, the this of our not that. There we go. 
I just put two and two together. The, <laughs> the this, not that, is we are commanded to work, not steal. Uh, and, and some of us were once this way. I don't know about you, but um, I, too, had my moments of stealing. I know it's hard to admit, uh, hard, to, or hard to believe, but I did. When I was three years old, I started my life of sin. <laughs> I went to Glen's Market. I don't know if any of you are familiar with Glen's Market. It was a little market in Sweet Home down by Foster Lake. And my mom uh, went to the store there. We lived not too far away. And uh, we bought some groceries. We went home. And when we got home, uh, my mom noticed that I pulled out of my pocket a little packet of Sixlets. You know, familiar with Sixlets? They're like the cheap M&Ms, right? Well, I, I, I uh, had these sixlets, and my mom remembered she did not buy me any sixlets. And so she asked me where I got them, and I got them at the store. Well, uh, I learned a very quick lesson that, that taking things without paying that for them is stealing. And so uh, my mom told me the first for the first time, just wait until your dad gets home. And so my dad get, got home, and my mom explained to him the situation, and... He did what every loving dad would do. He called the police. He, or so I thought as a three-year-old, he just picked up the phone and just talked into it. He didn't really call him. But he called the police and he told them that I was a thief and they needed to come get me. And so he told him it would be about 50. He told me it'd be about 15 minutes until the police showed up. And so for 15 minutes, I was a pool, a mess, right? I was crying. I was begging. I was... Please, I remember this vividly. That was a long time ago. It was a three-year-old. I remember vividly. I remember the sounds of the sirens. Okay, I knew that they were coming to get me. And uh, then finally my dad said, okay, I think you're sorry. I'm going to call the police and tell them not to come. And so he did that. And then he took me down to Glen's Market. And I had to go in. And I had to give the sixlets back. I had to tell the lady at the counter that I stole them. And I was returning them. And so then she lectured me for about another 15 minutes. And I tell you what, in my life, stealing has not been much of a problem. Not that I never had any issues with it growing up, but, you know, it definitely hasn't been the most tempting thing that's crossed my path. Uh, You know, all of us, I'm sure, have had temptations from time to time to steal. And maybe it's not just stealing uh, an item from a store, but but robbing our, our our bosses, our, our employments of time, or stealing someone's joy and, 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 and enjoyment of life. All of us have this as a temptation because it's part of our old self. But our job is to put off that old self and, and to put on a new way, to be washed, to be sanctified and justified, no longer identified by that old way of life, uh, stealing. Instead, we are to be identified with what we do, and that is, that is to work. In verse 28, it says, he who is, being, who is stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. So why do we work? I just figured it out. I just figured it out. I, I, I put the wrong passage in the wrong spot. That's what I did in my notes. I'm still learning, people. Give me a little bit of a break, right? That was a great passage, and now I don't remember what it was. Great. All right. So why do we work? Adam and Eve. That's why we have to work. Adam and Eve. Because Adam and Eve sinned, God cursed mankind to work. Right? 
And you, maybe you, maybe you uh, don't see it that way, but uh, my wife and I argued about this this week, that, that I believe that work was created as a punishment. Mankind was created to enjoy. We were created to enjoy fellowship with our Creator. Right? We were created to enjoy fellowship with our, our spouse, our mate. We were created to enjoy uh, the fellowship of, of what God had created, the creation, the garden, this earth, the plants, and the animals. That's what we were created to do. But instead, because of mankind's sin, we were cursed. We had to work. We had to till the soil to get our food. You know, we suffer as a result of that, that curse. But... God is in the redemption business. You know, and just like he has redeemed mankind from their sins, God, uh, I believe, has redeemed the curse of work. Now, how did he do that? Was it through Jesus' death? Maybe a little bit. But I believe that his redeeming work, when it comes to work, was by turning the consequences of a selfish action into the act of generosity. In Ephesians chapter 4, 28, we see that reflected when it says, well, he must work doing something useful with his own hands. Why? You remember that? That he may have something to share. That he may have something to share with those in need. The purpose of our work is no longer a curse, but an act of selflessness where we provide for our needs and the needs of other people. And even the Apostle Paul strived to set this example for the early church. In Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 7 through 9, it says, For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate. And so the Apostle Paul decided that he was going to not be a burden on these churches that he would go around to, that he would work and that he would provide for himself to be a blessing and to set an example for other people. So work, once a curse, was now a selfless act, uh, in, in essence, a, a form of generosity. So that's what we're going to work. We're going to look at this morning uh, and generosity. Okay, work is a form of generosity. Now, I have a disclaimer to make, a little aside before we continue any further with that. And that is what I'm not saying. Please hear what I'm not saying. Uh, that, there are, that everyone has to work, and if you're not working, you're lazy, you're sinful. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. Okay, if we have the ability, yes. But there are those, even within this family, that have put in their time, right, that have worked faithfully. Uh, for years, there are those who are unable to work. Uh, an example of that is a gentleman in our church named Doug. Doug works, uh, serves on our, our second hour worship team. Uh, Doug is, uh, has struggled in life. He was injured a few years back and, and he injured his back severely. And so since that time, there has been a disability for him and put him in a position where he couldn't work. Okay, so I'm not here today to stand up and say that there aren't situations in which working is, uh, some people are unable to work, right? So let's just kind of, please don't uh, judge me too harshly or hear, hear that in what I'm saying. There are exceptions uh, to this, that some people are in need of the help, right? And there are some of us who've been tasked to do the helping, right? All right, disclaimer over. Why are we generous? Why do we work? To be generous. 
Now, there's three reasons this morning that I'm going to share with you. The first one is that generosity is a command from God. God actually tells us to be generous. In Deuteronomy chapter 15, verses 7 through 11, that's what it says. It says, if among you one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns within your land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother. Okay? It says, but you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. Take care, lest there be any unworthy thought in your head. And you say, the seventh year, the year of release is near. And this is just basically, they had some rules set in their society where every seven years, things would be returned to their owners, things like that. We're going to skip ahead. Uh, we're going to, I'll continue reading, though. It says, the seventh year, the year of release is near. And your eye looks grudgingly on your poor brother, and you give him nothing. And he cried to the Lord against you, and you be guilty of sin. Just be careful of selfishness, really. That's what it's saying. Verse 10. You shall give to him freely, and your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him. Because for this is the Lord your God. Uh, for this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all that you undertake. For there will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore, I command you. Usually when it says that, it's important to listen, right? I command you. You shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy and to the poor in your land. Okay, generosity is a command from God. And he understands that there are going to be people here in this body and in this town that can't provide. Right? The situations of life have dictated that, that they're unable to meet their obligation to work for whatever reason. And so those of us who are in Christ, their brothers and sisters, we do have an obligation to be generous, to help those in need, to help those who are poor. So I hope that generosity and helping others is a trademark of what Southside is, right? of what we do. Generosity is a command. Generosity also combats the danger of wealth. As we work, some of us are blessed with, uh, with uh, blessings, resources as a result of our work. Some of us make the big bucks, right? And as people succeed in life, uh, the accumulation of wealth can, can lead to many dangers. I'm sure most of you are familiar with Mark 10:25. Maybe not the verse reference itself, but the content. It says, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than what? A rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Okay, there's, there's an inherent danger to, to wealth, uh, to riches. Uh, selfishness, greed, pride, just a few things uh, that jump on board when success is involved. Generosity is our tool to combat the dangers of wealth. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 18, it says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is uncertain, but to put their hopes in God, which richly, who richly provides us with everything for our, for our enjoyment. Command them to do good and to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. When we are generous when, when, and we are willing to share our resources, then it takes the focus off from self right? and what we've done, what we've accomplished, what we have. And it puts our wealth and our success into a proper framework. And that is that that wealth, that success is a blessing from God and it was given to us to be used not just for ourselves, but for taking care of those in need, taking for care of those who are without. When you are helping others... By giving your time, your, your talents, your resources, you are waging war against selfishness, greed, and pride. So generosity combats the dangers of wealth. It's a command from God. It combats the dangers of wealth. And lastly, generosity leads to blessing for others and ourselves. 
In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 19, it says, In this way they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. And it's kind of building on that idea uh, from 1 Timothy 6, 17, and 18 that we just read, read that said again that command those who are rich in this present not to be arrogant, you know, to help other people. So in the same way, when you do these things, when you're generous, what are you doing? Where are you really laying up treasures? In heaven, right? Where moth and rust do not destroy. Right? When we are generous... We're leading to blessings in our own life, but we're also leading to blessings for others. In Luke chapter 6, verse 38, Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. Any measure you use. How generous you are with others is going to be how generous God is with you. Right? And I'm not teaching a wealth, you know, with that, that whole give $10 and God will give you 100 Right? That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that when we are defined by our generosity, God will be generous to us. And I think that we've seen that here at Southside. I think we, we can put a, a very visible picture to that by looking around us right now in this room. About 15 years ago, this body, this church family, decided that they would take a step of faith and that they would be generous for the kingdom and they would build a worship center. Right? This worship center that we're sitting in today. And they believed that that, that decision, that step of faith, wasn't, uh, wasn't going to be realized. They, they weren't just going to step into it and fill it up in that moment. The, the worship center wouldn't be filled uh, the first Sunday. But they believed that God would add to their number. That God would be generous through Southside because of their generosity back to God. And here we are 15 years later in a building, a beautiful building, where the church gathers to worship together, and we see right behind us uh, the need to expand because God has blessed us. As we've been a blessing to other people, as we've been generous to God, God has been generous to us. And so this is a, just a little representation of that. So here we have this command to put off our old self, that old way of living, that, that life that's defined by selfishness and, and greed and pride that leads us to steal and want things that aren't ours. Right, things we haven't earned. And we're to put that way of life off. And what are we commanded to do instead? To work. Right? And why do we work? Because God cursed us. No, nope, that's not what I'm saying, right? Because God has redeemed that cursed. Right? He has taken something that could be a punishment and He's made it a blessing. And He's created something that we can do for Him. That we can work every moment of that we have, every moment, every chance, and every opportunity we have. So that we can be a blessing to, to other people. That's why we have a job. So that's why we provide an income for our family to take care of our needs, but also to look out for one another. And again, my challenge, my desire for Southside is that when people look at us, that they see that generosity reflected in everything that we do. So let's take that as our challenge today. Let's be people known for our generosity. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much uh, for the opportunity to be here today. And I thank you, Father, for the freedom that we have to walk into this building, to gather as your church without fear of consequence. I thank you, Father, for the faithful women, men and women for, for a couple hundred years now that have defended the Constitution, that have defended that right that we have to publicly worship. And God, I just pray that we will be people who carry that on. 
But, Father, more important than the freedom that we have as, as a nation, the freedom that we have you is of primary importance. And, Father, we know that nations over the years have, have risen and fallen, and freedom have come and gone, but your word and your church has endured. And I just pray, Father, for us here at Southside, that we will be defined by generosity and giving and loving. And, Father, no matter what goes on around us, what, what decisions are made outside of our control, that we will be firmly rooted in the freedom that you've given us to live a new life. Father, may we be people marked by your word and your freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to invite our, our uh, worship team to come on uh, down. And I have a, a new memory verse for us this month. And uh, I picked a short one, yeah, a shorter one, uh, for your benefit. Last month was a little longer. This month is a, is a little easier. It's Colossians chapter 3, verse 14. So let's say it together. Colossians 3, 14. Maybe. No. Nope. Okay, never mind. We're not going to say it together. I'm just going to read it to you. All right. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Above, uh, beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. I, lo- I love that verse. It's, on, it's in your bulletin. Thank you. Uh, Jane pointed that out. It's in your bulletin. Please check that out. Memorize it, and we'll say it together next time. Uh, second, take it home. Second challenge this week. Have you ever considered how your work can benefit others? You know, I, I know I've, I've, I'm in the ministry. That's kind of the point. But I've, I've worked the 9 to 5 job too. And I know, I know that I kind of got focused at times on, on just going and doing my job and trying to do it well, right? But doing it just to work and to get my paycheck so that I could live my life. But have you ever considered how that job, how that work can benefit other people? I'd like you to take time to think and pray about how you can share the resources given to you by God with those in need. Again, that's a challenge to generosity this morning. Well, now is an opportunity for us to respond. A chance to consider these things and to, to give them to the Lord and to uh, ask where he's leading you in regard to Ephesians 4.28 and the command to work and to be generous uh, on his behalf. So let's, uh, let's do that as we, as we sing this song. Let's also take an opportunity to be generous back to the kingdom. God has given us an opportunity here at Southside uh, to give to the work that's being done uh, here in the ministry. And this is our opportunity as we uh, share in the offering as well. So let's uh, respond to the Spirit's call as we sing this song this morning.